Finding the right cleat can be transformative. Believe me, I've worn plenty during my career. So getting the right balance is crucial. The cleat needs to feel good on your foot, but also feel good connecting with the ball. The New Balance Furon 7 Plus is built with both of those points in mind, offering overall comfort and precise striking in the game's fastest moments. Because, as I learned the hard way, because I didn't possess much of it, speed matters in soccer. That's why the Furon 7 Plus is built for accuracy and precision at rapid pace and is engineered specifically for use on firm ground. Why is this the ideal cleat, I hear you ask? Well, not to get too scientific, but the Furon 7 Plus offers a lightweight yet supportive hypo-knit with mesh lining upper construction and is paired with offset lacing for a truer strike of the ball, which is a long way of me saying that your game will immediately get better when these are on your feet. Learn more and purchase the Furon at NewBalance.com. Outdoors favorite podcast in soccer we trust. I'm Jimmy Conrad alongside our resident number nine, Chuck D, Mr. Charlie Davies, and Ricardo Pepe's number one fan, Hollywood Heath Pierce. And we're previewing our opening game in the CONCACAF Nations League against Granada, who are currently ranked 170th in the FIFA rankings. So yes, it should be a slam dunk, but I don't know if we're going to make it that easy on ourselves. But before I talk to the boys here, I got to let everybody know that we got to offer up a hearty congratulations. Get those claps out, boys. Get those claps out. To Heather Tercios. She was selected as the random winner of Woo! Sunday's P Plus gift card giveaway. Our producers already DM'd you with the Let's details go, Heather. of how to redeem your prize. So make sure you respond. Also, we're going to have another giveaway right now. If you're a resident of the USA, today we're giving you the chance to win another $100 P Plus subscription that grants you access to one of the biggest catalogs of live and on demand content known to mankind. Talking Champions League, Europa League, Europa Conference League, Serie A. Scottish Premiership, NWSL, NFL movies, series. It goes on and on and on and on. If you're South Park fans, we got South Park as well. Reminder, this only applies to U.S. residents. So to enter, follow ISWTPod on Twitter. We want to get to 1,000. We're getting very close to that. We want you to be one of our followers there. And drop your Twitter handle along with P Plus in the chat right now. Or if you're listening to us later, come back to the video. Come find it. Put your Twitter handle and put P Plus in there as well. And our producer will pick out one lucky winner, which we'll announce on Friday's U.S. Men's National Team versus Granada recap okay my question and i'm starting here with heath pierce and then i'll come to you chuck i believe this game against granada is a tricky game not because i don't think we're not going to win i feel great that we're going to get the result here but i think it's tricky because we only have four official games left as a national team before the world cup starts so if you're greg berhalter do we roll out our best team in this one to continue to build the all-important trust and rapport between our starters or do you use this game as an opportunity to see some new faces or old faces in different positions? That's the big question. What say you, Heath? I mean, it's hard to say. I, I mean, obviously, I think you're prepping for a World Cup, so you want to get your players as many minutes together as possible. I think that's the starting point. Now, again, I'm still critical of the way in which I think we attack. I think there's an opportunity to maybe go with that team, one or two players change and tinker with that or maybe prep it like a different opponent. I'm assuming they're going to sit back. How do you now approach against uh, approach a team that's going to sit in a deep block? And any team that's decently disciplined or organized can make it difficult for you. So that might be an opportunity there. But more importantly, I don't. I can't think of beyond Joe Scally in this window of matches a player that I think has like sort of hurt their stock enough to to say, okay, mm. that's the answer. Uh, like like they're out. <laughs> I mean, Charlie, do you think there's there's a no, number of I, players that have hurt their stock enough to I, be like? 
don't give him any more looks. Hold on, I, I, let me get I my popcorn out. Let me get my yeah, popcorn out. Keep I, I wouldn't say I wouldn't say out because I don't think anyone is out. But in terms of coming in and and not getting the opportunity and and probably setting themselves back a little bit just in you know the the pecking order, I think Eric Palmer Brown didn't grab his chance. And I know it's difficult for players to come in at half or come into a game. And, you know, the rhythm's a little bit off. But I think Eric Palmer Brown didn't help himself. I think Car- Cameron Carter-Vickers didn't help himself. I think Jesus Ferreira has has dipped. And, you know, he, you you get two starts. What can you create? What? How many goals can you score? How many chances can you create? I don't think he helped himself. And these were against two quality opponents. So if you did have, you know, a little something in these games, a little more than what we saw, then you'd say, okay, I'm, I feel super confident. So another look, the line. another look for so Granada, get- or are you going with your best 11? Well, that was that, a question. I, I, my, my thing is, I think they've, their stock has come down. Right. So do you play them in this one? I, I'll say this very quickly. Granada's <sighs> nickname is the Spice Boys, which is awesome. They've struggled. They haven't won a game over the last two calendar years. They got beat by uh, expansion team MLS Charlotte's FC in a preseason game. They lost three nothing there, and they have made three Gold Cups. They were in the 2021 version, didn't get out of the group. Have never got out of the group in the Gold Cup. And uh, I just wonder about this test in particular because even let's say Charlie scored against them. Well, way to go. Then then they're 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 (laughs) one of the best teams that uh, we've ever faced. But but if if. You, you put assisted. in a Joe Scally though. Yeah. If, if, if you put a Joe Scally in though, Chuck. Hey, respect the opponent, man. Charlie, hey, I Dez, a real hey, shift. Hey, Dez, roll the film. <laughs> <laughs> if, if if we put a Joe Scally in and he crushes it against Granada, do we really learn anything about? I mean, he should that, crush it against. Pro- that's the he, problem. He should crush it against Granada, given all right. the stats I just threw out. So I say, I say, I say, go with the best best lineup and and maybe try to tinker a little bit with or or use it as an exercise to play against likely a team with a deep block. And and you're not uh, and Jackie D is obviously saying nothing you do in this match will raise anyone's stock. I agree, it won't drop anyone's stock either, it regardless of how you. Uh, I mean, it, it's really hard to have a bad game against this unless you're really uh, like not sharp in passing all the time. Like you're going to have the ball in comfortable positions, very rarely under pressure. For me, it's more about can we find creative ways against what I again I will think I think will be a deep block to break down an opponent now they're going to be very different than any team that plays in deep block in a world cup or in world cup qualifying in terms of quality and, and the ability to do that for long periods. But there are things that you can take out of this. And I think that is, is, is one It's just trying to really understand in and around the box. How are we, what's our combination play? What are the risks that we're doing? How can we release one of our central midfielders, which I think we haven't done a great job of in the buildup play those little tiny things, as opposed to maybe saying, give Joe Scally another chance. Joe Scally, by the way, I think is a player for the future. I just think, he got his chance in this moment. It was he a time ready. to shine and wasn't quite ready. Now, yeah. he could be ready uh, uh, for their next match. He could be ready in two weeks. But clearly, there was there's a little bit of, of working through he's got to do as a professional who's only played you know, 20, 30 games as a professional so far. So he's got time. So I'm not okay. worried about him. All right, just to give context, this game is happening Friday in Austin, Texas at Q2 Stadium. Game kicks off at 10 p.m. Eastern. That's pretty late, so Chuck is going to have to be staying up in his pajamas to do the recap with us. That'll be uh, a lot of fun. Now, they've already played one Nations League game. They lost to El Salvador 3-1. They gave up a goal in the first couple minutes. They came back and scored to make it 1-1, and then El Salvador ultimately wore them down. So they're not off to the great, great start in the CONCACAF Nations League. But they've got some players that can hurt you. One in particular, Jamal Charles. He competes for Honduran side, Real Sociedad, not the Spanish side. But he's got 14 goals in 28 matches for his country. So I think there's still some threat there. 
that they can hurt you. It's not easy against El Salvador to score goals. But what we're seeing is this potential where is there anything to gain in this game? And it feels like you have more to lose, but it could be an opportunity to what Meg said in the comments. I want to see Malik Tillman. I want to see, we don't know enough about him. We haven't seen enough of him. We haven't seen enough highlights Mm -hmm. to know what he can bring to the table. So Chuck, I'll come to you. Do you want to see a Tillman out there? Or for me, I want to see what a McKinney Aronson Adams midfield looks like. I want to see Timo Weah in the number nine. I mean, if we're going to tinker, I wouldn't mind just tinkering with guys that we know will play, but maybe we can try them in a different position to see if that unlocks certain things for us. Chuck, Chuck, what are your thoughts on that? Yeah, I'd love to see that. I'd love to see team away at the nine because at the end of the day, come October, uh, November, you're looking at Gio Reyna, if healthy, and you're assuming he'll be healthy and in form. Brent Aronson, you're assuming he's healthy and in form, and team away. They are, are vital to the U.S. Men's National Team success. So how can you play all three players and make it work? I think the only way is team away of playing at the nine and then you know you're forced to go choose between reyna and aronson and and if i had to choose i'm i'm i think i'm always going to go with reyna in that position just because he's a little bit more creative i think brent aronson can get there i think there's a lot of development and he's grown so much from leaving the union to now um from his move from leeds united but he still i think has a little ways to go in terms of being able to handle the physicality of the Premier League and physicality of World Cup defenders, international defenders, and figuring out different ways to beat you other than movement off the ball, which he's fantastic at. But getting on the ball, you know, being able to combine, he's not really necessarily a 1v1 player. He's more of a getting on his feet, get in between the lines, play quick. But I'd like to see him add that part of his game. And and then we're talking. So that would be ideal. I just don't think that's going to happen. I think we will see Tillman play, though. I, I want to see Tillman, and I hope that he gets some valuable minutes to to, to Heath's point. How do how do we have guys that can that create create solutions in a, in when a team is in a low block? Also, uh, you said Brendan Aronson, special guest alert. The next special guest we're having on the oh, pod, don't everybody. Do don't do it to him. And in soccer, we trust is Brendan Aronson, but. That's not going to be this episode. It's going to be one in the future. But just be on the lookout. It's going to be a special one. And we just wanted to throw that out there, a little tease for you guys. Now, Heath, I'm coming to you mm-hmm. on this. We, I, and I want to reemphasize this. We only have 360 minutes left as a team in meaningful games before the World Cup starts. Do we want to waste those 360 minutes on trying things? I mean, it's crazy to me. Or, or I, it's, it, this is a really interesting thing. And I'm curious to see what Greg Berhalter elects to do, because these are really valuable moments for us as a group. Well, I mean, here's the thing is that the 11, our best 11 will not be available come world cup to be, to play every game. Don't That's say just, that. I mean, I, I, I truly think <laughs> put it out there that it's, I, it's just impossible to assume he, that he, our he best 11 is. He hates the U S men's national team. Yes. Reverse <laughs> James. Why is, why is he so angry? Why is yeah. he doing so angry? Why are you angry? I, I got a hammer next to my, uh, <laughs> just like, I'm just hitting things in the garage today. Uh, no, I, it's just like the reality of, you know, you, you, you played at the club level. You guys both played at the international level. Very rarely are you your best 11 all the time through a group stages, through a tournament, through, through friendlies. There is always say, maybe say eight, nine core players, but you have to be able to rotate those. And, and in these games so, so far, I think we've spent more time to see who can make the roster, who can kind of blossom. And again, Tillman is a player that obviously Greg's seen him now for a couple of weeks in training. Why isn't he getting more time in these games? Or why isn't he have a more prevalent? Maybe that's because the circumstances haven't been right or he doesn't see him quite at that level yet. But when I think about sort of 
beyond that, Kellen Acosta's, when I think about Luca De La Torre, when I think about circumstantial players that may have to play, Tyler Adams, injury issues. Weston McKinney has had some injury issues this year. You know, like looking at those players, who's the number two in all these positions to be able to make sure that if they're called upon, they're international ready. I think that's where I'm looking, less so in the world of, uh, Malik Tillman or 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 Joe Scally or some of these sort of bubble players to make the squad. I'm thinking more of the players that are like your 13, 14, 15, 16, 17, 18 in the roster to make sure that they can slot in and this team can still have a rhythm or a style of play, even if it's different. That's that's sort of where I'm starting to land on these last two games to know that we probably in a perfect world won't have a perfect lineup or a perfect scenario. Like like Charlie just said earlier, you look on the right wing. And you got Team Awea, you got Brendan Aronson, you got Gio Reyna. What, what's, what does that mean if you've got all three of them, right? And if you don't have any of them, where do they play? Where do you put Team Awea on the field if you have Gio Reyna? That type of thing where I'm thinking a little bit differently and not so deep in the roster, but more of like, you know, what's your A-minus plan? What's your yeah. B-plus plan, you know? Yeah, if you're listening to this podcast at a later time, make sure you obviously follow us on Twitter no matter when you're watching this or, or listening to it. ISWT Pod. Make sure you enter into our competition to win a P-plus gift card, $100 gift card, which is awesome. Uh, just follow us on Twitter and leave your Twitter handle in the chat right now and put P-plus so that you're entered to win. Make sure you go make that happen. Or you can do it on Twitter too. Just follow us and just put P-plus and then we'll know that you're entered to go. That'll be very exciting. Now... My question then is, because we're getting a lot of shouts for George Bello right now in the chat. Chuck, I'm going to come to you. Who do you want to see a goalkeeper in your back line for this particular game? Because I think the center back position, as you mentioned before, is still wide open. So do we want to see an, a third consecutive game of Zimmerman and Aaron Long starting together as they start to work through? If that's going to be the preferred center back thing, no matter what anybody else feels, it's all about Greg Berhalter at this point and what his coaching staff thinks. But do you give that? more time to to flourish and blossom or do you know that maybe chris richards is in the wings anyway when he comes back from mm -hmm. from being healthy eric palmer brown do you give him a start you know see what that looks like you just leave walker out completely i mean i think you almost want walker's input at this point as to who he likes to prefer to play with and then who are your wing backs i mean i'm kind of curious and then uh, and then heath will come to you i was taking walker's input jimmy come on no he's not so? greg's not asking him who he prefers yeah what? i don't think so. I, 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 don't th I don't think so someone yeah. asked you who you preferred I think if you're the number one choice, like like I, I remember in 2006, Landon Donovan got asked if he preferred to have have Brian Ching on the team or, or Taylor Twelman. That's Landon Donovan, though. Okay, that's fair. But yeah. I'm just saying, if you know somebody who's a no, top I, choice. I, I think Walker you don't, you Zimmerman's don't think he, audio but, language but, and his rhythm is going to show that. But like, what if you're Twelman and you hear that and you're like, yeah, my, well, my, the decision came down because. Well, we I'm not saying it was only that. What are we but doing? I'm, saying, I'm just saying that's it. <laughs> <laughs> I'm just saying that they, I, I, I think that was just additional input. Why yeah. wouldn't you as a coach? I mean, if I would ask, especially in that part of the field, hey, who do you move the best with? Who, who you know, I, yeah. I think that's some insight that I would want to glean from one of my players, especially if you knew he was going to be the number one guy. Uh, doesn't mean that, is... that doesn't mean that it's going to determine who plays, but just yeah. that, that additional insight, just like Tyler Adams. Hey, I would ask Tyler Adams, what center back gives you the best information? To, to, to move around. Who puts you in the best spots to make plays? That's All information those, I'd want to know as a coach. If a coach asks me, who do you like? Who do you prefer? And you're like, man, I like this guy better. This guy's he's, he's whack. No. Well, yeah, you and can't I hear, give him a drama I'll bring, answer. I'll you got to give him tactical <laughs> answers. Tactical or, if you ask, answers. <laughs> or if you ask me and don't listen to what I actually tell you, then I'm going to be like, oh, yo, you were just like. <laughs> <laughs> you, that, there's <laughs> that risk. There's snake. that risk for sure. Listen, <laughs> this is how you communicate. Know. You can preface this type of thing. Hey, listen, I just need a little bit of insight on these particular players. What are you saying? It happens all the time. You guys can pretend that it doesn't, but that shit happens all the time. I, yeah. I wish they asked me, hey, 
who do you prefer to play with? You know, I, I feel like. Words, but if you were that established, if you were the captain, not say yeah, that Walker has but, been the captain, but I but, think but, action, the actions on the pitch will show it. Cause you, you can see, sure, sure, I, sure. I, I look at when I was playing with Josie, there was, there was just a, an enthusiasm that you, you can't recreate because there was a, a passion to, to have him succeed. And, and he was trying to make me succeed and the friendship carried off the pitch. And, you know, without even asking you like that, those two work well together, you know? And I, and I think it's the same with center backs. You're like, okay, they complement each other well and you could see it and maybe they don't feel it and maybe they don't see it. But as a coach, you could say those two work really well together. And I think with Walker Zimmerman, Aaron Long has, has tended to complement Zimmerman in the, in the match that we saw, I think that just showed Aaron Long's not there yet, right? So he still has a ways to go, and he knows that. I think Greg Berhalter knows that, but he trusts Aaron Long, and he's going to give him the time to do it. Yeah, so he wants to get him as there, long as yeah. Chris Richards is not fit, I think Aaron Long's a starter, especially watching, you know, and it, it, I know it's right now. Things could change in, in six months, but Eric Palmer Brown and Cameron Carter Vickers didn't do anything to help them. They yeah, okay. In case. fairness to both of those, him, those two, they both came on at halftime, mm-hmm. which is which is not easy to do. Especially when I think about, when I thought about Eric Palmer Brown's game a little bit, and yes, he made some mistakes. He could have been a little bit more switched on in different areas. But not only were we subbing guys out, which obviously is going to stifle our rhythm just in general, but Uruguay was also putting on world class players at the same time, and obviously starting to get settled and get control of the game, which was always always going to be difficult. And if we can't establish any type of possession, it's just we're going to be under it the whole time. And if you got tired players and Joe Scally's flip flopping, I'm not trying to make excuses yeah, for him. It sounds like it though. Okay, maybe sounds- I'm a little bit. <laughs> I'm just trying to say that. <laughs> I'm not I, saying I, you are, but I'm not saying you aren't. Cameron, Cameron Carter Vickers is the same. It's just not easy to come in at halftime. I, I and, agree. And the center back position in particular. But we're kind of looking for something special from them at this point in 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 the in the. But as a center back, run special right? isn't what you're looking for. You're looking for solid and secure. But that's and, what I mean. Neither, like neither it, one of those guys, you know, they had a couple plays where we could have got scored on. Based Exactly. Like that, that to me is where, what I'm looking for is like, can I trust you at this point? Right. I don't, I don't mean special, like, Hey, hit that perfect ball to set up a goal or make that last second ditch, last ditch effort. You're expected to do your job. And then maybe a little bit more because we've got somewhat of a, like basically beyond our Walker Zimmerman at this point, And maybe Aaron long because of Greg Berhalter's preference to him. And he hasn't been too alarming. You've got a wide open window of three, four center backs that could, that could make this roster. But, Not only make the roster, but start. Yeah, I so, mean, so, if you think about Chris Richards, you still got Mark McKenzie, who who Greg liked for for a window. You've got Eric Palmer Brown. You've got Cameron Carter. John Brooks. Vickers. John Brooks is still out there. No, he's not. And and what if <laughs> and what if, and what if Chris Richards ends up playing for Munich? I mean, they're they're talking about giving him an opportunity. Mm-hmm. That then he's a lock, right? Then, I mean, then, then he's a lock. Yeah, it's, yeah, it's, yeah, fin- it's finished, right? And that makes it easy. So right. I think Greg Berhalter, a lot of these choices. He he hopes, and I think I was. If I were in his shoes, I'd be like, I hope it plays out. So it's not a it's not a question of me right. making a decision. Like it's it's already been played out with club form and and you know fitness. Okay, so give me your goalkeeper and back four for this one, Charlie. Uh, for this one, you know, I'd like to I'd throw out Horvath at this at this point, even though he might have nothing to do this whole game. But yes, because okay. it'd be the same for 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 every keeper. It's true. He, what he's going to have to do is play with his feet. I That's why I give all, it to Turner. I think all the keepers need to play with their feet. So, but you know what? Tur- Turner's your one, right? As it stands right now, Turner's your one. Mm-hmm. Zach Steffen, as the two, 
if he makes the move, right, he gets that loan, he's going to be put in a position to play every week and he's going to vote. He's going to vote Matt Turner because Matt Turner is going to be where, where Zach Steffen was on the bench learning from Ramsdale. So in, in my opinion, Zach Steffen, get healthy, and then you hope that he plays throughout the season. Now, I saw this question. If Horvath miraculously starts and plays in the Premier League and he's playing every week, does he have a shot at the one? Absolutely. Mm-hmm. It's going to come down to who's playing and who's playing, playing well. well. Mm-hmm. Okay, and then you're back four. You got it. My Let's back four. Rip, rip through it. What do you got? Anthony Robinson. Hmm. Aaron Long. Walker Zimmerman. And Reggie Cannon. I like that. How about you, Heath? Yeah, I'll go with the same. I'll go with the same back four. Same back four? Yeah. Just I, I, I honestly am thinking ahead to El Salvador. So I actually think you might see the Anthony Robinsons and Reggie Cannons for El Salvador. That'll be a tough game in El Salvador, but, but, but I think we're going to keep seeing Long and 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 Zimmerman. If if you're Greg Berhalter, you're like, I'm not comfortable with this yet, and I'm going to keep on. But I'm most comfortable with Aaron Long, so I'm going to keep on riding for him right now and and try to get them as as close together as possible and then worry about the rest later and then robinson i just don't see a different again joe scally i, I just don't see what what the difference is george bellow Hello, scally like, yeah uh, I, I i'm just gonna keep on going with 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 robinson there having said having said having said that as, I, as i'm thinking through that maybe you can go with a bellow maybe you can go with a the scally there. just again thinking about depth of like a what if you don't have a robinson uh then you, you need move to, you just do to need left to, and then you bring on cannon yeah or, yeah right you know. right i'll say i'll say uh I think Horvath will probably get the start. I'll go with Bello on the left. Just to, this is his last gasp against the team. Uh, see what he can do. I bet, I think it'll be Eric Palmer Brown and Aaron Long, and um, I think Zimmerman will get the rest and play against El Salvador instead. And then I'll go. I like Reggie Cannon at right back. I want to see a little bit more of what he can provide. So that's my my back four, my goalkeeper midfield. I'll go back to you, Heath, on this. Who who's your middle three? Uh, I'm gonna go Aronson back uh, at at the the ten spot in the midfield mm-hmm. again, and I'm gonna go uh, Aronson, McKinney, and Adams on this. There one. we so go. Right Come on, from your um, lips to Greg Berhalter's ears. Yeah. I I also want to see uh, Timo Weah play at, at the nine spot. I don't think we'll don't get, get that. Don't get ahead of ourselves. Because, We're just doing the midfield. Yeah. Here. Oh, sorry. Charlie, sorry. go. Charlie, well, midfield. I just I'm so desperately trying to get our midfield connected <laughs> to the forwards that even if you ask me for my midfield three, I got to give you the attack. But I'll, oh I'll, my I'll, god, I'll hold on. You know, I'm gonna I'm gonna I'm gonna go with with Tillman, Aronson, and Kellen Acosta at the six. Wow, hmm. interesting. Just I don't. Yeah, yeah. The I would like to see McKinney, Adams, and Aronson just because I want to see it. But maybe we'll see that against El Salvador. And instead, for this one, we're going to get – I would maybe De La Torre, uh, De La Torre at the six. Yeah, that's De La Torre. My, uh, De La Torre hmm. at the six because you're going to ha- want to keep the ball. You're not going to have to do – and I kind of want to see how he does there. Oh, uh, we could see uh, Kellen Acosta at a left back. That That's another That's not option. a bad shot. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Because so, uh, so, I, I feel like he's going he's gonna to get a chance to play. It's weird because yeah. he hasn't played. Do you think that he's – his stock is going down from not getting minutes. I mean, we he has assumed the role of what we saw in 2018 was the Dax McCarty role. Before that was the Kyle Beckerman role. It's sort of that depth of trust, whatever, but we're not seeing him at the moment. Right. Uh, but, well, because he's not going to play, really. He's, it's, he's a utility player, and he can play anywhere, and you know what you're going to get from him. So it's not that you need to play him to figure out if he's good enough or he can play at that level or you, you, you've played him. Like, I, I think he had, what, 20 – three consecutive games where he played for Greg mm-hmm. Berhalter. Mm-hmm. So for, for Kellen Acosta, you, you know what you're going to get from him. You know, he can get, be plugged in 
in mm-hmm. in any place. His probably his best position is at the six and the double six. We saw with with against Mexico in the Nations League. He can cover ground. He can play with both feet. I wouldn't mind seeing him at left back and see what he can do. Interesting. Hmm. I'm gonna go. I so th- th- so that way you can fit De La Torre in at, yeah. at the six. Yeah, I, I, w- I wouldn't mind seeing De La Torre at the six, but I could see an Acosta De La Torre Tillman. Uh, I like that too. That that would be interesting. Um, and then I'll just jump right into my front three. I want to see way at the nine. I don't know if Pulisic will start, but just in terms of kind of staying with the theme of maybe playing our best players, taking them off at Fefter 45, maybe a Pulisic way at Aronson and see what that looks like. I think that would be... You uh, just rotated five of our best players, and now you're saying with the theme of sticking <laughs> with our best players? I know. I get that. <laughs> I'm doing a lot of rotating. I'm just thinking through what I want to see. Just, just the back <laughs> half. Just roll yeah, with just it. The back <laughs> third, uh, two-thirds, are, we're going to Just, rotate. God damn it. Pulisic got a new haircut, so let's just let him sit on the bench for a little bit and think about that, you know? He did get a new haircut. He looks like uh, he should be in the Backstreet Boys. I, I agree. So I'm trying to think. Ferreira, no. I... I I guess you could potentially get Haji right to start. Oh, there's and the haircut. Hold on, let's take, let's take a moment. Like we'll let's, get to the we'll get to the front line, but like it. That's. Man. I don't know what to make of that, other than it doesn't look good. Yeah, Charlie. Charlie, why don't it you like this haircut? Tell us. Justin Timberlake back in the NSYNC early days. Yeah, like, yeah. yeah. Type of 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 dye job. Yeah, this is um, highlights. This is this is straight highlights. This is the old highlights. like sun in like uh you know. But, but I'm, feel, I'm feeling like the the mohawk. You know, it's like the fade mohawk. Mm-hmm. So I could see that he was trying to go there last game. I was like, oh, he's. I think he's trying to do that. And now he <laughs> he went all the way. He committed. Yeah, he so yeah, you got you got to respect the commitment. I do. But I'm. I, I, are you guys not worried about this new Pulisic a little bit? He's got a little. He's got a little anger to him right now. He's got. He's going through some changes. He's got a little edge. He's talking he, trash to that. He's, he's, talk, he's talking player. trash. He's he's got a little bit of uh, just a a little bit of a 3% different tone right now. And now he's got the haircut. <laughs> yeah. You know what I mean? He deleted Chelsea from his social, uh, from yeah. his social media. Like yep. this is, this has got, this got, the, you know, the cross, the chain, yeah. um, you know, there, for me, if I'm, if I'm going to take a snapshot of that, got some face, Logan, Paul. It means, little like, Logan Paul right now, he, uh, you home. know what I'm about. Yeah. You know who I am. And yeah, I'm that guy right now. I'm feeling myself. Okay. Comments, uh, comments about the attendance as well. Like yeah, uh, he's definitely coming for your girl, Charlie. Yeah, Mister Steal Your Girl, Mister Steal Your Girl. I I love it, man. I love I love this tone. It seems like he's it's kind attitude. of like I'm done. I'm done playing nice. And and you know, remember when they asked him about taking that first touch too, and he's like basically saying like I've been doing this my whole life. Yeah, yeah, that was uh, maybe, such a know, Clint, that was a Clint you know, Dempsey answer. That was like you know. Yeah, it's like having yeah, lunch. Think, it's like, I've been having like lunch. Like, oh, for real? I, yeah. What I think is interesting is that he did it before we played the 170th ranked team in the world as opposed to against Boone before Uruguay. But uh, Oh, yeah. He's on vacation right now. Let's be honest. <laughs> He's on vacation. <laughs> uh, all right. So so front threes, I guess I'm a little bit all over the shop. If uh, Pulisic <laughs> doesn't start, then maybe Aronson, who didn't start against Uruguay, gets in on one side you could have team away on the other and haji right up top and, and see what that looks like and make some changes in 45 i could see a jordan Roldana, morris or paul Ariola probably get a start Roldan don could be thrown in there he could also be in the midfield as well so so i wouldn't be surprised to see any of these names but in terms yeah. of what i really want to see i just want to see way at the nine and i just want to see what that looks like how about you chuck what do you what do you say in front three give me i would love to see way at the nine i, I think haji Wright gets a start at i at agree the nine. Mm-hmm. and then we're probably going to see someone on the left 
on the right, I could see Paul Ariola getting the mm-hmm. start. Uh, on the left, could be Jordan Morris. Okay, I could see that. Man, we I just that we well. have we have not used anybody in these first two games. When you really think about the depth of of the players that we've been relying on, we're excited about. It's kind of a nice sign of of how many more players that we have in our player pool. But you know, we're uh, I, I I'm not left more secure uh, beyond like our 17th player right now. I on just our roster. I just don't know what we're going to learn from this Granada game outside of potentially getting a little bit more insight on Tillman, who can break down a low block, that type of stuff. But I just, we're not going to be tested in the way that we need to be tested, frankly, unfortunately. And I feel like El Salvador is going to give us a much sterner test, especially because we have to travel down there to try 100%. to get a result, which was 0-0 World Cup qualifying when we went down there. and We had trouble breaking them down. So not to say this game is a wash, because I think we will learn something and we might learn which guys just aren't. If they can't compete and do it against Granada, we can't trust them in a World Cup. You know, it's one of those. So, Keith, who's your front three? I'm going to go with Haji Wright. I'm going to go with, uh, man, I should have said Timo Weah, but I think Haji Wright just needs to get another look. Um, and then I'm going to go on the right. I'll go with Timo Weah. And on the left, uh, say Jordan Morris. Um, Jordan Morris. I, I, I'm, I'm struggling on, on that left side of who to put in there um, or who, who could get something out of that game, out of this game. And you know what it's like. You play plenty of these, these CONCACAF type opponents where – the longer you leave them in the game, the better they can get. But it's about just sort of controlling and dictating from the very beginning. And then also having some creative ideas in and around the box. Because if we play one-dimensional, even 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 Granada can can deny that for long periods of time. So I think there's, there's a real opportunity to have a little bit of risk uh, going forward. But not too much where we're just sending and bombing forward just for the sake of it. But a little bit more rhythm and build-up play. But yeah, I'll go, with, I'll go with Haji right up top and then left. Let's go with Jordan Morris. Okay. I appreciate that. Now, oh, by the way, 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 way at the. I, w- I want to see way at least a half in this game at the nine. Okay, so you're there with uh, Mr. Advocate himself. Yeah. Now, if you guys want to drop your starting lineups, hit us up in the comments right now. Hit us up on Twitter, ISWT Pod. Also, make sure you enter into the Paramount Plus gift card giveaway. Make sure you drop us a follow, ISDW, ISWT Pod on Twitter, and uh, leave your Twitter handle in the comments to make that happen. We'll announce the winner after or during our recap show on Friday after the Granada game. All right, before we take our first and only break and we get into some other news around U.S. men's national team players and our youth national team who just beat England 2-1. Way to go, boys. Let's go. Uh, Predictions for this game. What do you think the final scoreline is going to be, Charlie? 4-0. I like that. Heath? Uh, 4-0, yeah. That's pretty good. It's not 5-0. seems like a thrashing. 3-0 seems a little light for what this team could do. Uh, Actually, I'll go 3-0. I'll go 3-0. Four's a lot. We don't. You know what? I'll say five just to be just to be a little bit different. But if we can get clean sheets against Morocco and Uruguay, I'm feeling pretty good. We're going to get one against Granada, but I might have just reverse jinxed it. All right, we're (laughs) going to take our first and only break. When we come back, we got some more good stuff to talk about. Don't go anywhere. Did you know that while over 60% of Americans dream of starting their own business, less than 20% of them take the first step. The reason? Building a business is tough. Taylor Brands is simplifying the business journey from launching and managing. To grow in your business, Taylor Brands isn't just another tool. It's your online business partner from launch to success. With Taylor Brands, building your dream business becomes an effortless experience. Their comprehensive platform guides you through every step, ensuring you have everything you need in one place. From LLC formation to bookkeeping, invoicing to acquiring licenses and permits, and even setting up your bank account, Taylor Brands handles it all seamlessly. And our listeners will receive 35% off Taylor Brands LLC formation plans using our link, taylorbrands.com slash CBS Sports. That's T-A-I-L-O-R-B-R-A-N-D-S dot com slash CBS Sports. 
So start your business journey today with Taylor Brands. Welcome back to In Soccer We Trust. I'm Jimmy Conrad alongside Charlie Davies and Heath Pierce. And we just really enjoyed that conversation about the preview for our opening game in the CONCACAF Nations League, U.S. versus Granada. Again, happening on Friday night, 7 p.m. Pacific, 10 p.m. Eastern, live from the Q2 Stadium in Austin, Texas. So I don't know why they're starting so late, but then when you realize it's Texas in the summer, then you understand why they're starting so late. It is going to be pretty, pretty hot. All right, let's talk about Ethan Horvath. We talked about him potentially starting this upcoming game, but some interesting news, Nottingham Forest, his club over in England just got promoted to the Premier League and the goalkeeper who starts over him, Samba, wants out. Gets promoted, wants out. Is this good news for Horvath and the U.S. men's national team because he could be a number one? It doesn't seem like that's a theme that we currently enjoy because if you're a U.S. men's national team goalkeeper, you're a number two over in the Premier League. And it looks like that might happen again, Nick Pope is apparently being linked with a move to Forrest. But if he becomes a Premier League starter, should Greg consider him being the first choice spot? We answered that a little bit before. Heath, I'll come to you first. Pretty good news for Horvath, but obviously obviously he's got to make the most of this opportunity. Yeah, have we ever started, uh, uh, at least in like a, a World Cup, a non-starting goalkeeper? I think we've always had a starter, right, at, at the yes. highest level. When you think about the, the Keller... Friedel, Howard era, they kind of all followed through. Even the Brad Gazan era, by that time, he was he was starting regularly for, for Villa. I, I, that if he's starting, then for sure, like he's got it. It's great for him if he's if he's going to get that start. But obviously, they're going to get an influx of cash, and they're going to going to they're going to go with at least somebody to compete with him, if not the number one to lose that spot. Um, I don't think he's going to automatically get that. But if he's if he's playing, then I think he has to become the number one. When I saw Sean Johnson. I know Sean Johnson. We've known him for a long time. He was in the national team from from literally from when I was still in the national team, and he's a fantastic player. Not as good as I, I think, in my opinion, as, as as Zach Steffen or Matt Turner. But if you look at his sharpness, if you look at his speed, if you look at his decision making, there is something to having that those minutes that I trust him more than I trust the other ones if they're not going to be playing come World Cup time. I, I think it truly does need to be somebody somebody that's playing regular games because you could just see a different level. Uh, to them than 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 otherwise. So if if Ethan Horvath is starting and playing in the Premier League, then obviously he's got to be our number one because the other two, you know, again, pending pending alone of some kind for for Stefan or even Turner, if he goes in and and immediately goes out, uh, you know, who knows? I think what's going to get scary, Charlie, and I'm going to mention something you said before, is if there are no easy answers. I mean, we talked about Chris Richards who, if he starts playing for Bayern Munich regularly, yeah, he's guy's going to be a lock. I mean, his club form alone will dictate that he should be starting for us and the club he's playing for, of course. But what if he, these he guys... He hasn't had great national team performances, by the way. That's um, true. But what if these guys... Well, let's look at our goalkeepers because we're talking about Horvath. But what if none of them are starting? I mean, who is the hot hand? Who do you go with? Knowing that there could be a Sean Johnson out there who's like standing on his head in MLS. Do you risk that? You know, even though he performed well against Uruguay and made some unbelievable saves, it was my man of the match. Like that, that could be really tough. And I get the sense to Heath's point very early on, we probably aren't going to have a healthy 11, our first choice 11, because that's just how it goes. We're not going to be isolated. That's going to probably happen to every country. But what do you do if there's no easy answers there? That's going to be more of a gut feeling. And that gets a little scary for going into a World Cup, going with, I think that guy's going to play well today. You know, that, that gets a little sketch. Uh, yeah, I mean that's that's why the coaches get paid the the big bucks to make those decisions. Huge bucks. And I think when you're looking at this group, we all know Stefan didn't play and was first choice over players who were playing, and that was through World Cup qualifying. And if you don't succeed there, you, there is no World Cup. So 
I think that gives you kind of the guideline that it's going to be between Stefan and Turner in the end. Those mm-hmm. two, because he prefers those two, and I think those are the two best keepers when it's all said and done. Now, if they're not playing and Horvath is playing in the Prem and getting shutouts and performing, then you, you have a real argument that Horvath should be the one. But I think as of now, Turner is your one. Stefan knows he needs to make a move to get consistent playing time and staying healthy, and then he goes right back to number one because he's better with his feet, and Greg Berhalter values that right now. Not to say that Matt Turner can't continue to improve with his feet, but I, I think we all know if Zach Stefan is playing heading into the World Cup, he will be the number one. Um, so, but either way, I'm not. I'm not nervous. I, I there's nothing about me that's like, oh man, I'm. I think we're in trouble because we our keepers aren't playing. Or I, I'm not nervous about that. They're very capable keepers, whether they are playing every week or they're just playing in reserve games and and, and scrimmages. Uh, what I am concerned about is that center back spot and the nine. Those are the two positions I really am scared about. And we have to find some sort of of player who can be the conduit between the nine and the midfield. Yeah, right, right. Well, I was going to say that that I think Musa can be that guy. The combination in midfield is still – I know we talked to me even a couple months ago that MMA is the lineup or the midfield moving forward. That is. And now I get the sense that, but that was it, that was in the context of qualifying, though. By sure, the way, sure, where it's sure, a completely sure. di- you got to be a little bit more on the conservative side of of just pressure cover bounds through that midfield and qualifying than what we've seen in these last two games that are international matches against a different type of opponent than playing down in in, in Honduras. By the way, Sorry. no, 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 that's that's good. The context is important there, and I think that because we gave Brendan Aronson a chance and it looked pretty good against Morocco, we just want to see more of it and see if that actually helps us move forward and transition, as you guys are both mentioning, in, in a different way that uh, allows us to create more chances going forward. All right, now let's move on to, there's a youth tournament for our U19s over in Spain right now, and our first game was against England's, and we came up with the goods and beat the three Lions 2-1 to one with goals from Corede Osadina and Rodrigo Neri. And the number 10, by the way, and wear the number 10 shirt for the U.S. is Owen Wolf who is a friend of ours, Josh Wolf, a former teammate and roommate, roommate of mine with uh, the national team, his son wearing the number 10 shirt. And uh, that's that's pretty cool. It makes me feel absolutely super old because I remember Owen Wolf when he was about three. But uh, I, I, I called the game when he had his first start uh, for, for Austin uh, this year. And I mean, he's a really, I, I think has more potential than his brother who's playing for Atlanta United um, and just has a little flashes of uh, Josh Wolf in him, that explosive, sort of in tight spaces being mm-hmm. able to spin in and up. But uh, again, trying to find where his best position is, whether it's on the wing, whether it's up top, whether it's in the midfield, but a really, really quality player. So, so Charlie, I know it's a youth national team tournament and there's nothing here, but this is, this is good for us. Maybe it's a sign of things to come when we play England in the world cup or, you know, I know there's, you know, you, you got to take everything with, uh, with a pinch of salt here, but um, what do you say? I, I love that the U S youngsters are, are still developing and still, you know, beating some of the world's best. I mean, at the end of the day, when we were all playing on the youth national teams, uh, maybe not you, Jimmy, no, but I, um, I sucked until I was like 27. <laughs> Jimmy tried to make Jimmy. Jimmy was would have made the U20s when he's about 26. You know, <laughs> he, he was one of the three overage players. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Jimmy, Jimmy was like, "Can you not do that for the U17 national team?" Yeah. <laughs> uh, I, I think it just it shows it, it goes to show how, how much quality we have. 
you know, and I'd like to see us qualify for the next Olympics. That's for damn sure. Yeah, what's the problem there? That's unbelievable. That's honestly embarrassing that we haven't qualified for the last two Olympics. And and that's probably a podcast in itself where we just kind of break down what the hell happened with the people that were involved. Uh, Jason Christ and Caleb Porter in particular, who were the two coaches that were trying to lead us through that. That sounds like uh, that could be a bit of dumpster fire of a podcast, but very interesting. Listen, but I think ultimately, to your point, Charlie, I think this is a good sign that we're competitive at, at uh, all levels. And I think that's uh, an indication of where we're going as a nation and, and continues to give me more and more hope and optimism as to how competitive we can be going forward, especially in the 2026 World Cup, which we're hosting. And again, I just we haven't said this in a while, but what I really value about this upcoming World Cup is that we're going to give a lot of young players. We're going to have one of the youngest teams, if not the youngest team at the World Cup a ton of experience and that experience is going to prove to be invaluable for us when we approach the 2026 world cup. So I, I now I have expectations of that one when we're hosting it, because I think we can make a deep run, even though the format's yeah. going to change and we'll get it's, into that moving forward. Go ahead, Heath. It's, it's pure optimism right now, right? I was, I was actually going back uh, because I was working on the spreadsheet today about the, about it's actually about Christian Pulisic uh, and random numbers that he's been associated with. But Somebody had put in there that he was the youngest player to be capped by the national team, and it was obviously wrong because he had Freddie Adu and others like that. But when I look through this stat sheet of the youngest capped players, there's like 30 of the top 50 are from like this generation or recent generation that have been capped before, you know, 17 years old, 18 years old, 19 years old, the number of players that we have. And then when you think about, you know, the Sullivans of the world, players that are between 12 and 14 years old, you might actually see a very different team come the World Cup. Um, but but the talent pool that we have and the players that we have experienced, the positivity or optimism, if we didn't get to where we think that we can in this World Cup, you can immediately shift that to saying this is a this is a actually building something uh, for generations versus it being like, gosh, let's hope let's get to a World Cup and then we hope for the best and we hope for the draw and we get to the round of 16 and we hope to get out of it. Like I think we maybe did in the past with some young players mixed into these squads, but relying heavily on international experience to get us to this point now we're, we're actually getting that through important games now and then we'll get a world cup and then and then 2026 will be hopefully something really special for the u.s yeah i'm, I'm excited about it as well it just uh yeah it, it i don't want to have any attitude or arrogance about it but i just know the kind of quality we have at our youth ranks and what, what we're already on display right now and it just I can't wait till we start slapping people's asses on a regular basis. That's all I wanted to say, everybody. All right. And then the final story for us, uh, this is Jesse Marsh and Leeds related because Leeds have just made another signing from RB Salzburg after getting Brendan Aronson. It's Rasmus Christensen, a right back who also plays for the Danish national team, six foot two right back. They struggled, I thought, at the right back position with Eileen and or Aileen or however you say his name. And uh, he has cool hair. Cool hair. Oh. He, yeah, of course he does. Um, yeah, you know, they got Stuart Dallas is hurt there, and and uh, so so Leeds needed to fill some cover. I think it's interesting though they went back to RB Salzburg, where obviously Jesse Marsh knows those players, he knows the system, and that'll be an easier transition for these guys into the Premier League. Charlie, I'll come to you first. Good signing here for for Jesse because it seems like maybe this was actually his. Because we could say with Brendan Aronson, there was already interest from Marcelo Bielsa back in the January transfer window in Leeds. So so this wasn't as much of a Jesse Marsh play for Brendan, but maybe one for here. With uh, Rasmus, what do you what look do you at think? Jesse in that photo? By the way, Charlie got a little bit of a tan to him. He's got the Jurgen Klopp glasses going. Yep. Like you wouldn't know him from from any other manager in the world. He's like just fully immersed Super into cool, uh, man. Look how man- cool he is. managerial culture. He, I, I, you know, all coaches that want to go to their their trusted players, players that have played under them, they know what they're going to get from them, and they see their potential. 
it's a no-brainer move from him to go back to to Salzburg with players that he's worked with, knowing, all right, this is a guy I know who can who can really help our team. So it's it's a it's a great move for him, and it's a good show, a uh, good sign of faith from from the club. No, I, I wanted to add to this uh, that they got it for ten million, which I think is fantastic business. By the way, he's only twenty four years old. There was interest from Borussia Dortmund to sign him as well. There's something to his game. There's also reports that they might be going back to RB Salzburg to get uh, Junior Adamu, who uh, played second fiddle to Kareem Adeyemi, but is a very, a very, very good attacking player as well, which would be interesting for him to go just sign all these players from Salzburg. But he also plays for Denmark, and Denmark is a fantastic national team, crushed it through World Cup qualifying, despite uh, not having Christian Eriksen. They look good right now in the Nations League. They've got some players, and and uh, I think anybody you can assign from the Danish national team is a good signing, Heath. Yeah, I mean, uh, like, Christian especially is a player that came from Michelin, and in Denmark you have Michelin and you have, uh, I mean, you have FC Copenhagen and Bromby who have always been known for producing young players and putting them into big clubs, but then you had Norshalin come up and try to create a really, really sort of like 23 and under. Michelin, same sort of thing, who has the same ownership group as, as um, what's their name, in, in uh, Brentford, and or a kind of statistics-based club. And then he went on to Ajax, which was another football sort of mecca. And then he went on to Salzburg into the Red Bull system. And so you get this taste of these players. Mm -hmm, But mm -hmm. Danish players in general coming out of a lot of these clubs now, they've recognized Denmark as, and Denmark always has been, these feeder systems. But now they're developing these players one step further uh, in in their education. And so there's just a lot of... uh, upside in Danish players, especially when they're coming through some of these these clubs that are all about development now and being feeder clubs to some of these bigger clubs around Europe. So overall, like you said, Charlie, you're going to go with the players that you trust and the players that can contribute. And obviously Salzburg and the way that they play, even Michelin to an extent where, where he spent his youth, are going to help him to make an easy adjustment into the way that Jesse's obviously going to try to play with Leeds. Yeah, and just to throw it out there, producer Des is exactly right. Denmark could be uh, last 16 opponent for us in the World Cup if we get I like out that, though. of our I group. Like and yeah, it'd be a good matchup for us. And let's hope that a, happens. A great, more experience we can get. Yeah, more experience we can get in the World Cup for our players and big games. That's only going to help us moving forward as we try to win the 2026 World Cup. Yeah, I said it. All right, everybody. That is the end of today's show in soccer. We trust the next episode is going to be with our special guest, Mr. Brendan Aronson. Maybe you've heard of him before, so we're excited to have him on the show. That'll be dropping very, very soon. Be on the lookout for that. So on behalf of producer Des, producer Alex, Charlie Davies, Hollywood Heath Pierce, I'm Jimmy Conrad saying thank you for listening and watching In Soccer We Trust, and we will see you next time. <laughs>